have Hawkeye royalty and on Max Cooper's Mount Rushmore, the Paulson twins are with us. So I guess first question to you guys, is the short hair to stay or would you guys ever grow it out again? Oh, I, I think it could be on the docket at some point down the line. Uh, we're actually getting ready to uh, take our, take our uh, firefighter one test here in the next couple of weeks. So we actually have to be clean shaven for that when we take, when we test, test out. So we're actually going to shave our beards for the first time in 10 years. It feels like Uh, (laughs) I think think we're both going to take, keep our mustaches though. Yes, you have to. Nah, the long, the, the long hair will probably make an appearance back. Anytime I see somebody with it, I'm just like, I gotta go back to those days. But man, it was a miserable, miserable chore to have that in football. And you're taking your helmet on and off and on and off. And we didn't care. We were kind of trying to be like Willie Nelson. So, (laughs) well, and and like in the new style helmets, you know, like they're just like a zipper, right? So you zip it and you zip your hair up into it and you can't zip it out. (laughs) So you just rip your hair out. It's. That's first world problems. But so, what what did you guys think of Shot? Just kind of copying the look as you guys left. Basically, he just he turned into a mini you guys. I say anybody who wants to embrace it can. I mean, it's Absolutely. like for us, we our mom was our main barber, right? So we came to college and we're 500 miles away from home, and we didn't go home often, so we didn't get our haircuts. And then we just kept not getting our haircuts and grew it out. And there's some awkward stages here and there. But once you get it grown out, it's it's great. And anybody, for me, anybody who wants to embrace it can. Because it's a lot of work to maintain it and to make it look presentable. Go for it. Yeah, and you got to think about it. It wasn't just Shooter. I think about we had the long hair. And we also had TJ Hawkinson in our class. Yeah, yeah. And he went on to grow his hair out. We played with George Kittle. He was pretty much bald while we were going through college. Then he gets to the league, and then he he grows all his hair out. So it's like if you can – well, especially at Iowa when we were going through it, if you can grow your hair out and kind of own it and bear, like, the all the shit that we got, it's something. Oh, Absolutely. You know what? I, and I, I know that firsthand because when I came in, I had hair down to here. I couldn't. I tried to bear it. I just couldn't because I got so much shit. And then I got put on like the gold card. And then it, the hair with the gold card combo was never good. And <laughs> I had, it was really no. I had to, I had to show my hand and freaking cut it. I was, it was so. You guys held your ground. Yeah. I remember. That's probably, that's, yeah, Sam Brinks had it too, but that's probably the, the like the first time I really got yelled at by Coach Doyle was oh, yeah. we were doing a circuit in the summer and I don't have good hearing on my left ear because of tractor poles and shooting guns when I was growing up. So I'm a little bit hard of hearing. And, you know, at the far end of our, complex are indoor there's the the fan right and during the summer that fan will run to kind of circulate out some of that hot air that's hung up in the ceiling 
where we were doing that and coach Doyle was saying, you know, he's giving us a cadence like one, one, uh, one, two, and we were doing barbell, uh, bent over rows. And I was doing that and my hair was in my face and I was trying to look and trying to hear and that fan was so dang loud. I got off rhythm and oh my gosh, coach Doyle came over to me and I'm telling you, he was spitting on me and saying, Levi, God dang it. And there's a bunch of expletives, but pretty much he was ripping my ass and saying, if you just cut your damn hair, you'd be able to hear. I was like, no. (laughs) Not spitting on you intentionally. Yeah, Yeah, not spitting on you intentionally. But (laughs) that's got its consequences. It definitely puts a target on your back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's – it's it's you kind of show up and if you're not high and tight cut and ready to roll, it's you're in for a whole new awakening. Be ready. Yeah, yeah be ready. Be ready. So okay, so you guys said you're training for so you said stage one firefighter. Is that what you said? Yep. So yep. what is the different stages entail as far as you're being on stage one? Yeah, well, I think we first got to back up. So Landon and I live in Kelowna, which is 20 miles south of Iowa City. Landon's wife now got a job at the U in kind of a niche position in the basement of the hospital doing nuclear medicine. Um, So we wanted to be in a small town. He bought a house down here and his house came up for sale four four houses up from him. And I'm like, I'll just buy it. I don't really know where else I'm going to go with my life. Um, I got a job at company I work for now, which is neat, which is video conferencing. It's a remote position. All of us employees in the US are remote. So anyways, when the fire chief here in this town, which is about 2000, maybe 2500 people um, found out that we were less than two miles away from the fire station, and we worked remotely, i.e. we were home all day every day, literally showed up in our backyard. And hopefully Landon comes back. (laughs) But uh, he showed up into our backyard. We were having a bonfire. And I'm like, who is this little bald guy? And he's a super good guy. Great leader. Funny. Give him shit. I tell him that to his face. But who is this little funny bald guy coming up and talking to me? And I had like a couple beers around the fire or whatever because it was going into the weekend. It's like, here you guys are remote workers. Do you have any interest in being on the fire department here in town? I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what that entails. I have my own job. Like, if I'm going to commit to something, I'm going to commit to it. So I was kind of like a little bit standoffish at first. Um, But then we had a serious sit down conversation with our significant others, um, girlfriends and girlfriends at the time. And pretty much said, we think you'd be a great asset to our team um here at the fire station and we kind of signed on so in order to be a volunteer firefighter in iowa you have to be uh certified and go through what is called fire one so that's the 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 basic firefighting understanding rescue medical all of that um that goes into um being a firefighter so yeah we'll take our final test on May, March 18th, uh, to become actual certified firefighters, volunteers. So that's what that is. That's awesome. 
That's freaking sweet. I mean, yeah. You think that you think they'll ever try and put you on the police force too? Maybe they'll put you on everything there. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's how it works. I think we. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I don't think we have a town cop. Uh, I think we leverage the, the the Washington and Johnson County sheriffs, but I don't yeah. think it could be a sh- I don't think I could be a sheriff. That's fair. Do not do not think I could be a sheriff. Go ahead. Forrest. What's the farthest you guys have lived apart your entire life, or like longest you've gone without each other? Farthest we've lived apart is where we live right now. Three houses away from each other. <laughs> same same cold same cul-de-sac. Um, longest we've been apart, I don't know, probably. Probably like when we were first born, I would say. Two or, oh yeah, for when we were born, for sure. Levi, Levi aspirated some fluid in his lungs and he had to get life flighted to a couple hospitals and we were away from each other for a month or a couple, couple weeks. So, but in our... In our adulthood, we've only been apart from each other for two or three weeks, maybe. That's wild. That's so cool. So was it? Was it like surreal growing up? So you guys grew up in Iowa, uh, like Northwest Iowa. Was it surreal coming from like a smaller town going to Iowa City? Like you got. (laughs) I'd say. Yes oh and God. no. What is let Let me answer that first. I know, I know exactly where you're going. Uh, yeah, I lost it or not. I'm a bad. No, I know exactly where you're going with that, Jack. Um, so was it surreal? I think yes and no. One, because Northwest Iowa is so – where we grew up in, in our small town, uh, very conservative in a lot of different ways, not just political – politically but fiscally and in their views and it's not diverse at all so when we got to the university of iowa uh, that was the biggest change was like oh my gosh there's different colored people out here these there's it's not just movies that you see people like acting different practicing different religions like that's like the real deal and it was so eye-opening to me and landon we've got a couple of different stories on on that but i think in regards to football yeah when the largest town that's near us which was 20 miles away in mobile sioux city is you know roughly 75 80,000 people and you walk swarm out onto the field to 75,000 people jam-packed into one stadium confined within you know half a mile square radius it's yeah, you can't even fathom that. Can't even fathom that. Largest city that you know of. Take every person out of that house and put it in. Pretty crazy. Brandon, you got anything? Is my feedback bad, or can you hear? Yeah, me? we can definitely we can definitely hear background noise. But That's okay. Sure. That's fine. I, I'd say the feedback that I that I have on that is we we really didn't even watch college football growing up so it was like yeah it was surreal because we just like we didn't know 
right? We didn't know what we didn't know, right? And then all of a sudden we're sophomores in high school and we get offered by Iowa and we had all this stuff happening so fast in the recruiting process. And so it was just like, kind of took us by surprise how fast it all happened. Um, and I mean, a dream come true, really. I mean, just looking back is such an incredible opportunity and wouldn't wouldn't have done it any other way. Okay, so going off that, how, how it was kind of an eye-opener when you got there, um, do you guys have any like particular moments that when you got on campus, you're like, okay, this is different. This is not where we're, this is not what we're used to. Yeah, man, I, I'll just, I'll start off, bro, and then you can run with it. I think for us, the craziest part was like, we came to Iowa football and we, we came, we came into the building and me and Levi were like, Oh my gosh, this place is awesome. Like it is so diverse, right? There are people of all colors and we're so interested in learning about where anybody came from, right? What their upbringing was. We just always ask questions and are curious, you know, how, how their upbringing was different from ours. You know, and then you see people on the team who come in and they're basically saying the opposite. They're like, oh, my gosh, this this program in this city is so white. You know, it's just full of white people, you know, and I'm just like. I don't know if we're living in the same city or not, but this <laughs> seems like a really diverse city to me. Um <laughs> So that was just super eye-opening for me, you know, and something that we really embrace. I mean, it's just Iowa City's a uh, Johnson County is Southeast Iowa is such a special place, you know. It's I I kind of consider it like a I've never been to Austin, Texas, but I've heard it's kind of a hip little town. I feel like Iowa City is kind of similar in that realm, you know. It's just like a kind of a hip town, you know, but just super interesting people and entrepreneurs from all over. Um, and that was so eye-opening from the beginning. Yeah. For, for me, uh, when I got onto campus, I'm not 100% certain on that question. I, I think I keep going back to what, what Landon was saying, you know, talking about being curious and understanding where our team, teammates like getting to know our teammates right and, and building trust with our teammates and just understanding how some of those guys were raised like we're from a small town and then to go talk to the people from the chicago's the detroit's the dallas's the you know tampa's the Miami's of the world and how they grew up it's just really it's like the stuff that you only saw in movies and they were like telling it as it was their life like I'm talking, I remember a vivid conversation with um, wide receiver. I can see him, um, Germanic Smith, Germ. And I, I remember him talking about, bro, it's serious. He's like, you do not go to that next street, uh, next street over. You do not do that. If it, that ain't your territory, you'll get shot up. I'm like, like, no joke. Yeah. He's like, yeah, dude. No joke. I got friends. I got family that have died because, you know, they stepped out of bounds and, and where they were living. Uh, so I think when I heard that, I'm just like, OK, this is this is a melting pot. This is country boys from Iowa 
And this is from this is people from the biggest cities uh, that the United States has to offer. Uh, so I think that's the biggest eye opening moment for me. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what's cool about that? I talked about this with a ton of people, and everyone, the, the the number one question is like when I say, "Yeah, like I I went to Iowa," and they're like, "What is there to do in Iowa?" And it's like, you know what the best part is? Nothing. There's absolutely nothing to do in Iowa. And that's the greatest part about it because, like you said, it's such a melting pot of people from just different parts of the country having different upbringings. And you all come to this place that there is nothing to do but get to know each other. Be present. Yeah, it, it makes you have to get to know the person next to you. And that's what this, that's what was such a cool part about Iowa was you met people that were just completely different than you, and you became so close in like a year or two. It's like you wouldn't like if you were sitting in your hometown, it would have never been like that. But the fact that you came to Iowa State to play football, all with a common goal, like it's it was just, it's such a special thing and it's such a cool thing, and that's why I loved Iowa because it's like you're right, there is nothing to do. But you know what's great about that? We had to figure out what to do together because there was nothing to do. And by figuring out what to do, you bonded with people. You became really close to them. And it's one of those the bonds like that you'll just never break. Such a cool thing. You want to play hand of euchre or yeah, hey, you want to play on. pepper? Yeah, a little pepper. <laughs> it, it was, oh. Well, and, and you know, it's 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 even prevalent now that, you know, we're in the, in the real world as well. Um, I have, I'm in tech sales, right, and, and have kind of worked up into some larger accounts, and that's beside the fact, but the managers that I've had have kind of pushed me to like, hey, Levi, you should move to one of these larger metros. You're going to have more success. There's more out there to the world than small town Iowa. I'm like, yeah, you know, but I also have hundreds of conversations within any, in, in, in any given month. And everybody's talking about, oh, the Tesla that their neighbor has, oh, getting a bigger, bigger house, this, that, and the other. It's like, here in Iowa, I'm content with this small little two, three bedroom ranch house and, you know, really being immersed in the, in the, in the community that I'm in, right? I have everything I could have, um, you know, in my backyard. Yeah, I can't go to Top Golf, but. <laughs> you can make your own Top Golf in your backyard. What? So you can make your own Top Golf in your backyard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was growing up. Yeah. Yep. No, it's uh, it's definitely sweet. Jack, then you got something? No, I don't. I think I think Levi said it said it perfectly, man. I Iowa is it's an interesting place. I said you just come see it for yourself, right? And if you don't believe that Iowa nice is a thing, come see our people. Oh you know, my god. Like you walk yeah. on a street and somebody says hi to you and you're just like taken, taken aback, you know, yeah. I remember being in Chicago for the first time and I'm telling people hello on the streets and, you know, and good afternoon and good morning. And they're giving me dirty looks. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm just saying good morning, <laughs> you know, right. And, uh, it, it, it is a real thing, man. And, and we have great people here and we find stuff to do. Oh yeah, exactly. That's funny. Even at work right now, like our territory just got switched to like Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Illinois. So, you know, everyone's calling on people from Iowa and we're used to like calling around the South. So everyone Atlanta, uh, we were talking about it before I live in Dallas. Now everyone's like, 
you know, the South's the only place on earth, you know, everyone's nice down here. People are calling from calling people in Iowa and they're like, why is everyone so freaking nice on the phone? <laughs> You're like, it's the Midwest nice, not the South. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's such a difference between like it's the Southern hospitality, yes. but it's not like the Iowa nice is a real thing. And the Southern hospitality thing is a real thing. Too. Like, people are very welcoming like, down here. I, again, I, I live in Charleston now, so it's uh, like, it's like people from like really old money, like very welcoming, like old, much like, fish hunting, like whatever it is. Um, they're nice people, but like Midwest nice, like, it's just different. It's just, uh, it's it's more, especially. I mean, I th- I think I was like significantly different than other Midwest states. Like, I lived in Michigan, Wisconsin, my whole life, and it, I was, I think, the most nice. But it is so different. Like, just it's the people there are just like it is a sense of community, and everyone's just so kind. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I just got one comment too. If you guys hear like a, a monster truck, like roaring in the background or like an airplane starting to take off, that is Landon. He is in a car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's making the most of it. I, I respect it. Yes. Dude, Levi, you know, it's funny that I forgot which, which one of you guys it is. Cause I, I asked one of you guys a while ago. Cause if you posted and another thing about Iowa is like, I remember when I first got there, I'm like, this place is literally just cornfields. And they're like, this kind of sucks. And like, I lived in Wisconsin, which was like very similar, but there's a lot of lakes in Wisconsin. So it was a little more scenic. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, dude, like the sun sets in Iowa, like the sun rises in Iowa, a nice day in Iowa. It's like unbeatable. It's one of you guys, I asked you guys, you post like a picture like in the morning, like during a run. Which one of you guys posted says like plus one? Yeah, me. Yeah, it was you, Landon. I asked you for one of the pictures you took in the morning. It was the background on my phone for a while. It was such a sweet picture. I love that, man. Sick. And then Levi, you just posted it was like a it was a birthday shout out. Um to Rage. Yeah, to Rage. And the last picture is like a sunset, like on like a just like a back road, a dirt road, and like just cornfields. Coolest freaking picture, like, ever, dude. Like, just – there's something – I, I remember telling my parents, like, when I first got to Iowa, I'm like, this place, I, I hate it. I, I can't it at all, dude. And it took me until I was beginning my junior year. And I remember, like, just – it was – I think I was driving back to Iowa. I'm like – it was the first time I was excited to go back to Iowa. I'm like – this place is freaking awesome, dude. I I love it. I love the people are awesome. Like it, dude. It, I just love Iowa with all my heart. It's so much fun and it's such a great place. Amen. Amen, dude. So this isn't as Midwest, but we were prompted to ask it. This is specifically asked by Spencer on this one. The legendary Paulson Crawfish Wiles. Oh. So much fun, dude. <laughs> what were your favorite memories? How, one, how did you guys start doing that? And, like, was it like a lineman quarterback thing or the whole team? Or 
I will, uh, I'll start it off. So we lived at the same house uh, right off of West Benton, um, maybe southwest of the stadium a mile as a crow flies for the four, four years, I think, that we lived off campus. We lived in that Streb house. Uh, but anyways, my first spring break, I went down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, where my girlfriend has some relatives. And we get to talk in once we get down there, whatever. Um, they're like, you want to you have some crawfish? You want to do crawfish ball? I'm like, sure. I mean, Landon, well, myself, I mean, we're 315 pound guys. It's like we're not partial to, you know, we don't, we're not a fan of too many. We're not a, yeah, we're not partial. We're not picky eaters. Let me just say that. We're large in charge. So, they pick up the phone and literally call this restaurant. Come to find out it was a gas station, just like ordering pizza at Casey's General Store. Yeah, can I order 60 pounds of crawfish? <laughs> and the reason that we didn't do an actual crawfish, well, crawfish boil was because, you know, we had limited time and they didn't have, you know, all the fixings to kind of put it together because I think we surprised them on, on how fast we were getting down there. But anyways... They got the crawfish, picked it up from this Casey's General store, so to speak, and come back home with it, throw it all down on the table, and I'm like, whoa. It was just unbelievable because it was so spicy, and the combination with that and the beer was so good. And they're like, yes, this isn't like the real deal, though. Like, I want you to understand. They're like, I want you to understand this is not the real deal. The real deal is you'd have 30, 40, 50 people together. You'd have this giant pot with this broiler coming up underneath of it. Uh, it'd be this day long party. You watch, you know, sports if they're on, et cetera. And I'm like, that is so cool. But I just love the thought process behind it. So when we came back from spring break, I told Landon, I said, this crawfish boil, it's good. Good eating, good food. And I think we should do it here. And so the next spring rolls around, it's spring ball. And Lena and I bought all the stuff for it. And we're like, I feel like our Streb house was always just kind of like the place where people stopped by. We always told people we had an open door policy. So if you, you know, were driving home to or from class or whatever, you know, just come on in and talk and grab a coffee, whatever you want to do, just come, just come hang out, come chill. And I mean, we had people stop by all the time. So anyway, it was like, yeah, guys, after spring ball, um, after the spring game, we're going to throw a crawfish boil. Um, it's going to be about $10 a person. If you guys want to come, it should be a riot. Um, so watched a couple of YouTube videos and the first one was unbelievable. We actually held it at Worf's house, but it was previous to that. It was Josie Jules, Bo Bowers. I think Kittle li lived there for a little bit. Mike Bucker. Yeah. Ike Bucker. But it was just a it was just a hit. I'm like, we got to do this every day after this because it's unbelievable. But I don't know, Landon, if you have any I have some thoughts in my mind on some experiences and some things that happened at the Crawfish Bowl, but what are your thoughts, Landon? Yeah, I just think that first one was such a hit. We had so many people that were just like, we might not have 
have known how to cook it the best the first time, but people were just like the, the experience and the environment was so fun. People immediately were just like, I have never liked fish or seafood in my life. And I freaking love crawfish. You guys changed my life. You know, here's a hundred dollar bill towards the next one, you know, and the next crawfish boil and whatnot. And, uh, just a super fun, interesting event. Like I, I feel like, uh, our second one was the best one we ever threw. Um, that was at 56 Arbery and, uh, man, that was a hell of a party. 56 like everybody Arbery. had so much fun. Yeah. You're going to tell them about 56, 56 Arbery. Yeah. 56 Arbery is where, um, Jake Gervas and Parker has. Oh, that's such who, a good, I love that. Album. That was Parker. like, yeah. Oh, I think we're losing you, bro. But yeah, Jake Gervas, um, Parker Hesse was there for certain. And I think they had a couple of baseball, maybe a basketball player or two there. But we had it in that backyard and just the element was perfect. And it was like in a secluded neighborhood. I remember Jake Gervas was like, this one is going to be like three or four times the size of the first one that we had last year. So he like literally made like handwritten notes and sent them to all of his neighbors that, you know, encircled his house. He's like, guys, this might get out of hand, but we're just celebrating, you know, post spring ball. So uh, it'll only be for a night. Come join us if you want. Yeah. And, and the other part about that was Jake's, uh, Jake's dad owns a few checkers restaurants, hot dog shops. I've never been. And so he got a pallet of hot dogs and I will never forget we're grilling them and they were just chucking from the top of the deck, chucking hot dogs to anybody who wanted them like during the crawfish bowl. It was freaking hilarious. Dude, that's, you know, what sucks. I forgot. I was supposed to, I forgot why I couldn't go to the second one. Cause I only went to one and it was, I, me and Spence talked about this, dude. It was top – we talk about top five most fun days or slash nights of college. That is in there every single time. It was effing freezing. It was – and that was that was at the West Benton house, right? Yeah. Yep. And so they had a you, – you, you, I remember because it was uh, – who was with me? I think it was my buddy's – my buddies Colin, my friend Colin, and guy who else was with me. But then Ryan's buddies were in town too. But Ryan had to stay back because one of his buddies was like hung over his shit and he was like throwing up and stuff like that. So it was yeah, it was my friend Colin. It was me, my friend Colin. Then it was Spencer, Nico, and Riley. And then it was like I remember there's a picture of like us four. I think JB was in it, and then um. Koi was in it. And I remember seeing Tristan there. It was you guys. Dude, I that was – so you walked in. There was like a, it was like enclosed, like see-through – not tent, but like – was it a tent? Yep. Yeah. Canopy. Oh, yeah. yeah, canopy. And it was, it was like 40 degrees, pouring rain. And I remember I was over there in like socks, Birkenstocks, like sweatpants and a huge sweatshirt. I'm like, dude, this is like – 
this is going to be miserable. And I remember walking in there and I got a beer and we're sitting around and it turned into like, we started playing like flip cup and like eating all the crawfish and like, there's like sausage, corn, carrot, like dude. And it was, it went, it turned into like one of the most fun days of college I've ever had. And it's like, that's the kind of shit where it's like, it is, the weather is horrible. Horrible. The company was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I remember, unbelievable. I, I think peak moment for me while I was there was Worf's, Tristan Worf's started chain smoking with my grandma. <laughs> it was unreal. I look over and they're like over here doing one of these numbers and he's just ripping a cig. I'm like, okay. okay. This is good. Dude, it was, I mean, just so fun. Like the. Uh, and I've heard I've heard several stories about I, I we'll save it till we end this one. But I've heard I've heard plenty of stories that were very funny about it. And I'm sure I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. I wasn't even there for it, but I, and I'm sure there's plenty. But there's one particular I heard about that it was hilarious. Um, oh my gosh! So what a freaking what a freaking Landon, were you about to tell on there? Yeah, there's some there's some uh, moments during the crawfish boils that probably should never be talked about, like <laughs> um, like without supervision because it, 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 and I just want to be clear to the audience like it was like never nothing ever got out of hand like it never got out of hand everybody was super respectful but it's just like some things that were said at the crawfish boil, like it was just a time to let loose. Right. And a time for, you know, everybody to express themselves and and have fun. And that's what happened every single time we had it. It was, it was wonderful, man. And you have to think about, I think what really like made it what it was is the fact that we just got done with like, you know, it felt like what 30 days straight of just like, grind and can't or not can't but spring ball right so nobody's really let loose in those days or and then uh the, the day after it's like so this just rage or darty pretty much oh, uh, yeah. it was fun that's that's so high i'm trying to think when you guys left because the crawfish boil it kind of dwindled out do i remember i forgot what when it was I went to Gervas's house once and it it's I somehow got in I was with uh me, Gervas, uh Ben Neiman, like Bo, Kevin Ward, Josie showed up, easily Don, like it was just a, a wild group, and we had a riot. Like that house was so oh a uh, freaking Kells was there. Dude, it was just so much fun. That was the first time I've been to that house. And I remember going to the backyard that day, and now I understand why that second crawfish boil was so much fun because that is a great yard for it. Great yard. Such a good yard. Yeah, okay, so like, – Oh, go ahead. No, no go ahead. I, I'm, I'm leading into something else, so go ahead and finish it. No, the, yeah, no, I was talking about the backyard. I just remember at one point, Lynn and I were so focused on making the actual crawfish. I remember just looking over, and I saw two things. I saw Jake Newberg <laughs> underneath the deck, and he's pissing. He's got his wiener out, and he's pissing, and he's, 
he's i'm like look at him i'm like what the heck is he doing and it looks like he's like tilting his wiener up and like trying to like shoot as high as he can up on this brick wall and i looked over there a couple times else during the night and he's doing the same thing he's like oh yeah beat my old record i'm like oh that is just so <laughs> so jake newberg uh, and then the second thing that i remember is um just a it was like a five-hour beer darts game huge it oh, was huge. Yeah. it was like probably 40 people huge I don't know how much beer was wasted and beer beer was drank, but yeah, people definitely had a lot of fun there. But you know, and you know what's wild? So I was like, I try to explain games we played in Iowa here because like, I mean, everyone has the beer pong, the the uh, flip cup. Um, what did you guys? What did you guys call? It? Remember how like, you get a bunch of cups in a circle, not a circle, rage like, cage. So you called a rage cage. We called it boom cup. They were, yeah, they call it like Rage Cage. And then uh, I always tell them about beer, beer darts. And no one down here knows what that is. And I remember there was actually one girl that I forgot. I was in a group of people. And I wasn't even like, she wasn't even, she was kind of like outside of it. And she, I was talking about beer darts. And everyone's like, yeah, I have no idea. And she goes, are you talking about like, like beer darts? Like you sitting around a circle with a beer in front of your feet? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I'm like, where are you from? She's like, I think she said like Wisconsin. I'm like, that's why you know that. It's like, everyone down here is never, everyone's like, isn't that dangerous? I'm like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> like anything's, any any drinking game's dangerous when you're drinking. So but I guess metal, metal tips darts probably a little more dangerous than the other ones. Yeah. But oh my, I mean, like we have, like there's days where it's nice down here. I'm like, we should play beer darts. And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like that is, that's like the most fun one. You just sit around and talk and just chuck a dart the whole time. It's yeah, so high, risk, high risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. And it's usually high reward, but there is a couple of times where it's like, oh, right. Well, you get stuck in the toe or something. Beer and darts, nothing has ever gone wrong. <clears throat> no. you're, in, you're in the clear there. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, man. It's it's a good time. So okay, so. So you guys are like you said, fifteen minutes outside of Iowa City. Yep. South. So how often? How often do you make it back to Iowa City for like games during the year? Zero. Nope, I have not been back to a game at all since you graduated. Since you graduated, I've not been back. Is there is there a reason why, or is it just you just haven't gotten to it? I think for me personally. I think it just plays back into we started getting recruited in eighth grade or yeah, eighth grade when we started like put ourselves out there and go to training camps to become football players. <clears throat> and we were so focused on football. Landon's going to join on his laptop. Yeah. Uh, we were so focused on football that we didn't really have time to, to truly do our other passions in terms of hobbies. Right. And this is the first part of it, right? So now that when we got done with football, it's like opened up all this free time. Like we have free time to do the stuff that we love that we didn't get to do in high school, right? Hunt, fish, trap, like do all these outdoor activities, which is what Landon and I like. Um, yeah, we'll still watch the games every now and again with with friends and stuff like in, in our living room. But – 
just no real like desire to want to wanna go back. And then the second part of that is I still had friends playing. And yeah, the Iowa, the Iowa faithful, I'd say 95% of them are good. But just the fact that I still had friends playing and I heard what was getting chirped over my ear when I was on the sidelines or sitting on the bench taking a break. And um, I just don't think I'd be able to do that with my friends playing. Like if somebody called Petrus, you know, a piece of shit or something, I, I literally think I would turn around and assault that person. Just because <laughs> my bro, like, yeah. do not talk about my quarterback like that. Yeah. Right. You don't know what he's going through. And no one knows what he's going through. So just let him be. He's a kid, makes mistakes. He's going to do his best uh, for the team at any given time. Uh, and he's going to give his full effort. So that's kind of why I was like, I didn't, I haven't had any desire to really go back. I think we will eventually, but I don't know. Time will. So. Yeah. I think it'll be, man, it'd have to be a special occasion for me to go back. It's, yeah. I don't know. There's just no, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I mean, maybe if I, when we have kids, if we, if we have kids, then we'll take our kids, you know, and do some of the Hawkeye legacy events and, and whatnot. Right. Like <clears throat> I'm telling you the Hawkeye legacy, what, what those guys do is. Oh, phenomenal. it's phenomenal. Like that's better than, that's better than anything I've ever seen. Like that is su such a nice thing for former players. Yeah. Right? And their families, like they are so generous with their time and so generous with the events that they put up. I just think it's freaking incredible. And it's just one of those things, you know, that just sets, you know, our program apart from every, everyone else. It, no, it is a hundred percent. My, my cousin, uh, my cousin was a walk-on from Michigan State, and I remember last year he was telling me that one of his buddies was – they were trying to get him in charge of being – starting a legacy thing. It's like, dude, you guys are just starting that. Like, we, we've, we've been rolling for about many years now. Like, Literally been rolling. Many years. And, it, I mean, it, it's, it's just – that is the cool thing about Iowa Faithful is – Anyone who's played here, any alumni that's played here is very, very, very willing to help out. Um, like, like these guys have been talking about, we have legacy events. As players, um, I think freshman, sophomore year, it's optional. Is that right? Or do they still make you go? I don't remember. I you go? They make you – I think there's – I think – I don't know. It kind of just depends on what year you are. But they – there are some of them where it's mandatory that you have to go, depending on what grade you are um, and just depending on what event it is. But um, they bring in a bunch of former alumni who are working and kind of just give you a rundown on like what their job is, how they got into it, how they can help you out if you need help, um, advice on how to find what you want to do. Um, it, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing they do. And then once – They'll have that every once in a while, and then they have uh, legacy events, which are the Fridays before games, where they'll bring back everyone's families and have like game nights and like a bunch of like stuff you can do. A lot of socializing, tailgating, so yeah, yeah, tailgating, painting, a bunch cool. of, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, for example, I'm, I remember I met a, I mean, I know 
Chuck Hartley through Lauren Hartley because she dates uh, Henry Marquez, who we're all good friends with. And um, I went to his tailgate this year with Henry. It was me, Henry, and Kerner. And I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I told the story. But, I mean, we ended up meeting Zach Johnson. And, like, Zach Johnson went to Iowa. And, like, we went to introduce ourselves. And he's like, yeah, I know you guys are. Like, and it's like. That's a cool. That's pretty surreal. Like he's a he's won the Masters and he's that's so dope. It's pretty cool. But like, just like for I, I remember, I had a couple beers of me talking to Chuck and I was like, he used to ask me what I'm doing. I was like, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm going to Charleston. I don't know what I'm gonna do. He's like, well, if you need any help, let me know. Like everyone is willing to help, and it's just it's it's a it's such a great great networking and legacy um, option we have. So it's it's great. It's such a it's such a cool thing that they do, and they do a great job with it. So, man, man, yeah, it's it's sweet. So, would you guys ever throw a crawfish boil for a legacy event? Oh, I, I think the seed has kind of been planted. I mean, we've talked about it, but nothing has been, nothing has been put into writing. At this, we didn't go and play in the NFL. Um, so we're not loaded like a bunch of other people <laughs> and to like throw a crawfish boil, it probably would cost, and I'm sure we could get funds from the legacy group. It'd probably cost like 650, 750 bucks Yeah, to throw a crawfish boil with, you know, 40, 50 people. Like that's how much money we we're putting down to be able to have a crawfish boil for us after the spring game, which is why we had the 10 or $15 covered to, Eat the oh, crop. Yeah. I mean, and then and then you do the math, and you think about a tailgate. Like, how many people would be at a tailgate like that? You know, 150. Multiply it times three. But, but, the answer is yes. We'd for sure do that, Jack. And we're actually uh, spinning one up for uh, all of our friends here in uh, Kelowna this year, bringing her back. Oh, let's go! It's you know, like a bucket list item. Really like. Anyone listening now is like, damn, I want to go to a Paulson Crawfish boil. Wait, wait, what week? What what week do I have to be in Kelowna? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is airport. Yeah. For anyone listening, it's probably the greatest experience you ever have in your life. Yeah, if you just want to provide your address and the date and time, <laughs> we'll just tweet it out after this. Yeah, seriously. You know that, that could be a good reason for you guys to come back for like a freaking a tailgate in general just so pretty, that's another big thing so you guys have never back. you guys haven't experienced a tailgate then if you've never been back never have nope isn't that crazy all of our friends here in town like grew up going to the games right yeah. so, dude you guys gotta experience it one time gotta do this gotta do that like we probably will eventually mm-hmm. yeah from an it. outsider's perspective i would say Tailgating is like one of the best things at Iowa that you'll ever do. But everyone who's ever gone to a game there, if you could run out of that tunnel, you would take that opportunity over any tailgate. So, <laughs> I mean, you guys you guys hit the peak. So tailgating is a little lower than, than running out of that tunnel. I can be 100% honest with you. I, I went to my first two tailgates ever this year. And – I'd say tailgangs here, crawfish boil is a hundred percent up here. Really? Yes. Let's go. What about if you combine the two? 
That's, that's that's what I was gonna come to. I was gonna say it could give you a reason to go back to a game and tailgate if you threw a crawfish boil for like former players. You think we could get some of the men on Melrose listeners oh, yeah. to join it? Yeah, hundred yes. percent. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll we'll see if we can get a sponsor for it. Exactly. Needle yeah. sponsor it. We'll do it. Yeah. Let's We're in. It. We're in, dude. All right. This is happening. This football season, we got to make this happen. I love it. We'll try and get Fairway to sponsor it, too. Ooh, we need to talk to Werfs. I know. Yes. That is – you want to talk about a great sponsorship deal? Phenomenal. And you know what's even better? In the South, seafood's unbelievable. The meat sucks. <laughs> it's really, the fact it that I, I'm so jealous of him that he's shipping in – like fairway steaks to Tampa because like here it's like it's very rare that you come across a good good steak. Well, when you go to a steakhouse, if it's a good steakhouse, it will list Iowa beef uh, next to the steak, and you that's the one that. that's the most expensive on there. Hey, do you guys got any more hats? Oh yeah, bad medicine hats. Please, please. I lost my bad medicine hat. I have no good hats here. And like, I need, I remember I, I, I have my Paulson. I think it's my Paulson auctioneer hat at, in Michigan. I have that one still. Okay. But you I need, you, you got to get into that. Well, I've been You're meaning. Them. Them. I got to find them. I got them in my basement. I'll send you I, guys. Dude, please. And we, Oh, I, I will. I will wear it every day. I don't think you realize. It is my favorite hat. So you don't even know the story behind that, Jack. So it's it, we we worked on a, a well, we worked on a couple of different farmers' ranches in Northwest Iowa. I raised cattle, beef cattle, and uh, one of them raised Wagyu beef. Uh, his name is Brad Fetterson, and Brad is a, in a tremendous guy. He's a great business owner. His meat is sold at at Fairway. Brad does have a speech impediment. And when Brad called in his first order of apparel, in particular hats, he said, I want my Federson beef logo on the front and I want my name, Brad Federson, on the back. And the apparel company, his speech impediment is like kind of like a lisp. They thought he said bad medicine instead of Brad Federson. Bad Brad Federson. So on the back of his hat it says Brad or bad bad medicine, not Brad Federson. Uh, and it just it's on the back of all of his hats. So then it was just a joke going forward. So now every hat that he makes says bad medicine on the back. <laughs> and they're the they're the coolest, they're the best hats. Oh, I'm fired up, dude. I need one so bad. We got God. you. We got you. We'll read you back. Yeah, they're good hats. That's incredible. So you guys played with a lot of legends. This is another Spencer question for you guys. Favorite memories about just like an absolute beast. You guys played with Worfs, uh, Lindy's in the NFL, um, Alark Jackson NFL. Like you guys played with some menaces out there in the trenches. What are some like favorite memories, whether it's, Practice off the field, on the field from like the greats that you guys played with. Man, I don't know. I think my freshman summer, 
like right at the start of camp, we were in a team period, right? And so you go through your individual drills at the beginning of practice, and then you start, you know, offense versus defense, you know, ones versus twos or ones versus ones and twos versus twos, whatever. And I remember, I remember being on the sidelines and watching this guy, you know, drop into coverage and CJ Beathard rips a pass, you know, and this guy literally jumps out of the sky and intercepts this ball. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. And I've never seen anybody as athletic as this guy and as detailed as this guy. And he went on to, he went on to get hurt, right. And not play. And that was Drew Ott, right. And Drew Ott and Brandon Sheriff went back and forth with each other, but Drew was just a interesting, like great friend, like just super interesting, fun character to be around, but man, if he wouldn't have got hurt, that is a force to be reckoned with. Like that is a creature. Like he was, he was awesome to watch. Were but you then, oh, one Max, second. no, you're talking about Drew still? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was saying, but then like in that same breath, right. I remember Sheriff Drew Ott would go back and forth and they would just beat each other up, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of deal. And we didn't, I didn't, we didn't play with Sheriff, but I just remember like when we were getting recruited, like watching it and watching the film of those two going against each other in one-on-ones and whatnot. And they would bash each other's heads in. And then like looking at more film, you know, there would just be like some clips where it'd be like, oh my gosh, Drew Ott is getting mowed off the ball like he is getting obliterated and I was like just kind of like sneakily like nobody really noticed it that he was getting his ass kicked and he was getting his ass kicked by George Kittle you know and it's just like one of those things where you're just like you just don't even think like George is like that special and then he's just like does something super sneaky like that and gets his pad under your shoulder and just pat you know, destroys you in the run game, right? And then he can he can sit back and be a you know a third protector, you know, at tight end and and be in pass protection or run a you know a dime of a route. You know, just those guys were. I mean, there's so many fun guys to watch. You know, and and I mean, as you get older, obviously when you're young, you're younger on the team, you're influenced by those older guys. And those were a couple of guys that I was just like, man, I really enjoyed watching them. And there's, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I mean, I'm sure all of us, you know, who, all of us who played can, can say like, Hey, I could tell you this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy were crazy too. But those are the ones that stick out for me right away. Yeah, that's good. I mean, everybody, I mean, you can talk about worse all day long because he's just a, a freak of nature. I remember Drew too. Max, did you ever uh, did you ever run outside with Anthony Nelson? Oh yeah, like so, that like was... he he would pretty much run with like the semis and sometimes maybe even scoot up and with the skills because he was just super efficient in his turns, had long legs, really in shape. That was pretty crazy. 
Uh, and I remember Drew Otten being the same way when we first got there. I mean, Drew would beat everybody by 15 yards on his cut 85s and 15 yards on his 60-yard shuttles. Um, it was He really was a, a very talented individual. Um, the, the <laughs> this makes me laugh because the person that I, I think is just like freaky is kind of like a – it's Sean Welsh. But the thing about Sean Wells is like he was never overly he's not a big guy. He's not he's an offensive lineman. Okay. He he was a superb guard for Iowa for a lot of years. Um but the thing that really surprised me about Sean, and he'll never surprise you in the weight room. But I mean, this guy came in and I'm telling you, it was like he a zombie when he came into the when he came into wherever he was getting to, uh, he was getting taped, coming into the locker room. But I am telling you, the most consistent person on the practice field, the most consistent. Like there was never a day where he had a bad practice. One-on-ones, which is probably one of the tougher drills that I think offensive line linemen have to go through. Every single time he would stone somebody, just, you know, stone somebody, meaning – a defensive lineman would try to rush the quarterback and he'd just sit there and just kind of like, what are you doing? This is not a challenge. But he, I, I still remember that to this day. I'm like, how do you become so consistent? And I'm like, I'm like this very ritual person. And I'm like trying to psych myself up and like listening to music before practice and watching all this film. And he just comes in like a zombie, goes out on the practice field and just performs day after day after day after day. Was- well, you gotta get, you got to get Worfie's perspective at some point on Welsh. Yeah, I know. And, I well, didn't Welsh, didn't he, didn't he, or Welsh, didn't he have that, didn't he have like that claw? Yeah. Like yes. he was known for like, he could, if someone rushed him, he could freaking just grab on him and just goes over. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. That yeah, is, he was really good. You got to get Werf's perspective on him. Like when Werf first got called up to play, you know, in a game, Sean, Sean was at guard. And Tristan's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I have, literally have no idea what to do. <laughs> Sean's literally telling him every single play what to do. You know, just block this guy. You know, you draw a line straight in front of you, and you you look at everything outside of you, and if anything comes in there, you just take the one who's most dangerous. You know, in just the simplest terms. And Sean, I mean, Tristan, like, will still to this day, like, attribute his success to, you know, Sean – showing him the light, you know, when he first, when he first went in there. And then the only, and the only other person, and this is not just like freakishly athletic, but I think another person that was just super consistent was TJ Hawkinson. And he was, he was consistent in all aspects of his game, including like diet and sleep. I mean, you just talk about a guy that, and I admire that, like, because it freaking takes hard work to stay consistent on a diet, especially when you walk through a, a buffet line with <laughs> 10 different entrees to choose from, right? And he's just chicken, salad, no bun, no carbs, like little carbs. And I, I was just I'm like, wow, like for you to be that mature throughout your entire – look at as Landon's shoveling in French fries in his mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're dumb with football. You don't need it. Who cares? But anyway, those guys are pretty, pretty good. Freaks and yeah. I remember. I do remember that. I remember. 
I remember going over to because I used to go to, over to like Keith and TJ's house all the time because they lived like super close to us. And I remember TJ would only be eating pork grinds. And I'm like, and like at the time, now I actually think pork grinds are like phenomenal. I love pork grinds. So good. So yeah. good. But like I thought that was why he was eating them. But then I remember him telling me that they had like significantly less like fat and like calories and like chips. And I'm like, that's pretty sweet. So then I started eating way more pork rinds after that. And I was like, this is sweet. <laughs> um, okay. So going off of, going off of the football aspect, like the, the ability aspect, what year, uh, meaning uh, as a lineman room as a whole, which year do you think the most fun was? Oh, that's got to be one of our first two years. Easy. For sure. And like, I'm trying to think. So, who was who was in your room at that time? First of Brian, all, Ferentz. Who? Brian Ferentz was our coach. That's the first thing. Oh, yeah. The first two years, Brian Ferentz was our coach. So, by default, we also has had Max Afranco as a coach as well. Um, <laughs> And for those of you that don't know Max, he's one of our uh, equipment managers and has been for a super long time. Uh, him, and went to, him and Brian went to high school together. Him and Brian went to high school together. Uh, but those first two years, I think, were, were the funnest for us just because the offensive line room was – and nothing against Coach Polisak, right? But it was a completely different coaching style. It was a lot – it was a lot more high, high strung. Max is like, oh yeah, Polisek was out of control. I love high him, love his death. But also, you know, Polisek was he was coming from the OC position, and he'd never really coached offensive line play, especially how Iowa coaches offensive line play. So that was tough for us. We've already had two years with arguably the best coach in the building, we think, and he came in and we were kind of, he was a good coach, right? And he knew how to get the most out of us, but it was a completely different vibe. But those first two years to answer your question, I would honestly say that first year, our Rose Bowl year. So that's when we went 12 and two and played in the big 10 championship. Um, that was probably some of the best offensive line play that I saw. And maybe some of it came back to the rules on, on cut blocking uh, hadn't changed and blindside blocks hadn't changed, but still just a very well-rounded room from the red shirt sophomore class on up like Boone Myers played a lot of really good football. Ike Butner played a lot of good football. And these are young guys. They're playing with Austin Blythe and Sean Welsh and Jordan Walsh and who else? Cole, Cross Cole Cross did. Um, just, and again, just very consistent. Very consistent guys. Um, played a lot. But, man, that was so much fun. Oh, I'm so much fun. And just as – Go ahead. Like, the offensive line play wasn't, like, super complex. I was just like, we knew – like, for people who don't know, like, when you're with Brian, Brian's really – Gosh, how do you even put it? Like really analytical or really 
really detailed. Like in a film session, like you could watch 10 or 12 plays of football max, right? That's the max you would ever watch would be 10 or 12 plays. Like a lot of times you're watching five or six plays, you know, and, and, and this is in a, this is in an hour and a half film session. You're watching four or five plays in an hour and a half film session. What are you doing? Dicking around? Well, half of it was dicking around, but the other half, Brian was just like, he stripped it down to the turf. He's like looking at which way your toe is pointing and then like making these analogies to where Landon's dog in his background could understand it. Like I am not kidding you. You could be the smartest kid in the classroom or you could be the dumbest person with the lowest GPA and he could make you understand how to do a football play. It was was wizardry, wizardry. And that's why Landon and I really do think that he's the best coach in the building. He's really good at his job. He might have rubbed off, and we're biased, bro. We are, so, we are biased, but it's funny. It's funny that a lot of people come on. They're like, as a position coach, he like everyone who's had him as a position coach says the same thing um, about Brian, which is which is funny. It's tough seeing him go through like scrutiny, but yeah, right. Oh, go ahead. Like, I just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like as a, as a, as a, as an alumni, you just, it, it's so wild to like be a part of a program that has such a long history, like to have a history that goes back to the two thousands, like 20 years of history. Right. And as an alumni, it's like, Brian's an alumni. He's 12 years older than I am, but it's like, I know what he went through, right? I know exactly what he went through. He knows exactly what we're going through as an offensive line and he can connect with us on that level. Right. It's like, like, yes, he's my coach, love him dearly. But like, I, I honestly like see him like a brother, like all, all the former players, like I just see as brothers, right. Because we went through the shit. Right, it's not easy. Like, it's, college football isn't meant to be easy, man. Like, if it was meant to be easy, there would be people recruited, you know, from all all age levels, right? Like, people, it's hard, right? And if you can make it through five years of Iowa football, like, at the end of the four or five years, you have the best of the best human beings that you will ever meet in your life. I promise you that. Like, best, most well-rounded individuals, right? And Brian knew that. Right. And Brian knew that if he could, you know, uncover the layers under you, right. Dig into you a little bit and like, be like, man, Hey, you got to keep going. And he would, and he would yell at me like Landon Paulson, what are you freaking doing? Blah, 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 this and that and the other every single day. It felt like, but when Brian complimented you, you felt like you're on top of the world. Like it's yeah. like, he meant, it. he meant it. He could see the improvement. He, he was, it was like genuine. It's like, and he did it to everybody. It wasn't like he had any favorites Everybody was on the same playing field. Nobody, nobody got compliments, but when you did get complimented, he called you out and said, Hey man, that's a really freaking nice job. You're doing a, you're doing a great job. Yeah. But like for me, Brian, Brian like went through it. He went through it. And that's what makes him a great coach is that he can, he can relate to us. Yeah. And I think right? like there's a, there's a to him. 
sorry, I just interrupted you. But I was just saying there's like a psychological aspect to his coaching, right? He under like Landon was saying, not only does he understand the game and like what we're going through, but he also understands the individuals so well. It's almost it's crazy. Like he knew what kind of personality persona Landon and I brought to the table. Uh, he knew what Worf's brought to the table. He knew some of the other energetic people. Like he just knew like where they were at any given point during the meeting um, or and in their time at Iowa, like where they were. And he could just like dig the knife in whenever he wanted to, to really get the, the most out of it. it I wish everybody could experience his coaching style because frick, man, it was awesome. It was man, so and one thing that I'm just I'm I'm starting to realize, you know, as I as I age is like, man, good leaders. All the good leaders that I've been around have been great teachers. Like all of them. Like all of the great leaders in my life are great teachers, and 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 it's holds true to every single person that I've ever been coached or taught by. It's like I think I think highly of them right as a leader or as a as a mentor because they were a great teacher right and they were willing to pour into me right and and make me a believer in their ways right and just so so cool man oh yeah well you know, funny? you know what's funny is um one of the so like you said like going through five years of iowa football you're i mean it gets you ready for real life pretty pretty quick pretty it puts you ahead of a lot of people. Um, and I always tell people like things I've learned. I mean, the small, I mean, obviously details matter. That's the biggest one. Like it's crazy. I mean, like being on time, being back, being early. Um, the Honestly, one of the biggest things that I've learned was actually from you guys. And I tell people this all the time. Um, the whole fact that like, and this is just because I know you guys are like very curious and you were always big learners, but like you guys knew every single person in our facilities names. And it's, it's when you're, I'm trying to think from the outside, you don't really understand it. Like you don't really think about it, but then like when you are able to, if you go out of your way and be like, Hey, what's your name by the way? And like they tell you your name and then you see them every day and you say, Hey, so-and-so, and then you develop a relationship with them. Perfect example, Doug, um, the janitor, the man, coolest dude. You guys were always the first people who saw him when you'd see him, you could say his name. They, he knew you guys very well. And when you're on the opposite side of that and someone goes out of their way to be like, Hey, what's your name by the way? And you tell them it, and they, they they constantly start saying your name, and you develop that relationship. It makes you feel good. Oh yeah, man. When you're in when you're in a, when you're in a like, for example, an environment like that, being able to have a relationship with people that aren't even on the team technically, but they are a part of what we're doing, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel like it is a sense of community, and that's what was so fun. At I, I think when you guys were there, like. Our team was so much fun and so tight because everyone cared about everyone in the building. It wasn't just in the team. And I think you guys were a perfect example of that. And, like, I try to do that in, like, everyday life, going out of the way. Like, if, if, I, if I'm 
going to a place a lot and I don't know someone's name and I try and learn their name and then try and get a relationship with them. I just think that's such a cool way about life. Like it's such a, it makes life so much more enjoyable and interesting. Like why not learn people's names? Why not learn more about them? Like, what are we? What are I, I get so deep into this? That's such a good concept to like learn. It is, yeah, man. And we, me and Levi, have kind of thrown around the idea of starting a podcast. And uh, you guys should. You should. We haven't. We haven't done it yet. But we have. We have kept this list of people growing up. Just. From, from the time we were probably in middle school to the time to now, right? We just keep this list of people, right? And we gauge people based off of this list. And it's called the good shit list. Right? <laughs> we're like, we have these, we have these people on this list that we're like, you know, Hey, I met this person today. And like, man, they, they're, they're, a, they're a candidate to be on the good shit list. You know? And it's yeah. like, when I think of somebody on the good shit list. I think about somebody who was five years at the university of Iowa football Right. And I think of like mentors of mine that I just like emulate and like just look up to like no other. Um, but like we I read this book this summer called I just went to this, you know, on the like uh, on the sidewalks, they have those little community book. Yep. Shelf. yep. Went in it, opened, opened it, grabbed this one random book, like don't know why I did. And I opened it to this one page and it started talking about it started talking about a dog and immediately I was intrigued. It talked about how this dog, you know, and, and, you know, you call the dog's name and they're super happy and blah, blah, blah and, and whatever. Um, but I took that book home with me and I read it and it, the book has actually been in print for over a hundred years. It's by Dale Carnegie. It's a book called how to win friends and influence people. And I read that book this summer and it just blew me away. I'm like, this is the epitome of, you know, a good shit. Like in my eyes, it's like all the people that I know call people by their first names, right? Yeah. If you call somebody by their first name, like people just, people like to hear their name. Yeah. When you yeah. say their name, like they're just like instantly like you remembered my name. Yeah. You know, and something as simple as that is like, goes such a long way. But that book, man, it was like, revolutionary for me i picked it up and i was like this is it you know and, and it's been around forever you know people just and, and the, the other thing that i will say about that is like i always have these battles in my head like i'm like doing my own thing like working out or whatever i'm doing like i know i should just go up to somebody and say you know hey i'm landon what's your name i know we're in here all the time you know but i don't and i have these battles and internally but when i do it i'm just like Gosh, I'm so glad I did that, man. Like, I'm so glad I introduced myself because now I can greet him, greet him or her every single day. Hey, how are you, Greg? Like, that's yeah. the most recent guy that I learned in the gym. His name's Greg. And Max. Uh, it goes a long way, man. Yeah. Thanks for the compliment, Max. It, it, it does mean a lot. It's just, dude, we just love learning about what burns people's fire. You know, yeah. what really makes somebody tick. Uh, it's just oh, yeah. a genuine curiosity. Like you guys starting this thing up and putting, you know, Hawkeye football um, out there to the entire world and kind of uncovering, you know, everything that it has to offer. Cause at the end of the day, 
a lot of people just look at Hawkeye football and they see black and gold with stripes and jerseys on Kinnick's, Kinnick's field, right? And they're watching the game of football. Uh, but you guys are uncovering yeah. uh, something a lot deeper than that, which I think is just so stinking cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the coolest thing is like, one, your guys' name has been thrown around so often. Like, you guys got to get the Paulsons on. You got to get the Paulsons on. And it's just so funny because it's like every single person, like, you see deeper levels to people and like, I didn't know too too many of the guests that we've had on. I guess I knew like Coop, Spencer, uh, Charlie, and you know, like some of those guys. But the ones that you meet, it's like the reason we really want to do this is, you know, you see somebody off the field. You see like what good, like Sam Laporta, for example. Such a fun episode. The guy oh. like – didn't know him at all off the field. Had never met him in my life. He comes on here. The guy is just electric, just a ball of energy. So fun and is like ready to kill on a football field, though. Um, you get that personal aspect from when they come on the podcast where you're like, wait a sec, that that guy's the man, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's way bigger than football. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the cool thing um, that you see, you know, that we've been able to uncover from the podcast. So, so awesome. You know, it's in landing, going back to what you said, like that whole battle in your head. See, like, and, and that's something I've been trying to work on recently is I have that battle in my head constantly where it's like I should totally like introduce myself to that person because like, we have the same schedule. And it's like, why wouldn't you? And I actually did. I actually did just meet a guy at the gym who's like this this older guy, and we literally. Like I I I finish out my workout with like I do abs and I stretch, and he's always in the same room as me, and like we kind of like didn't really socialize. And then like I saw him a couple of times and I introduced myself. And then you feel good about it. And you see him say, like, "Hey, Marty, what's up?" Like you, you know who it is. But <laughs> when you do it, you feel great. And when you don't do it, you walk away and you're like, "Why did I not?" Like, yeah. What's the point of that? Honey P. It, it's 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 crazy. But I'm telling you, like I, I tell people that all the time. You guys taught me that, and that is something that like when I do do it, I feel like exceptionally good about myself. Because it's like it just makes you feel good and it just makes it, it's such like I don't know, it just it puts good out into the world, you know. It, it's, it's, it's 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 it makes you feel happy. Man, I ch and I'll challenge you. Like, if, if if you introduce yourself one time and you forget their name again, just go do it again. Yeah. They don't care. You know, yeah. they they literally don't care, and that's the only way that you're going to remember it. Yeah, right. You know, is to, is to say it again. Yeah, Monday P. That's Monday really kind of you. No, absolutely. And I, I actually want. I'd love to know what was the name of that book, and this for anyone who's listening to. It is called. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting cool. read, man. Yeah. Super simple, super simple read, but it's just like if people if people did that in the world, everybody did that in the world, politicians included on both sides, like we would get somewhere. You oh my gosh. You literally That's would. It's just too many people that just 
think that in their head and don't do it. You're right. Yep. And when you do that, then you walk away and nothing changes in your life. Whereas right. like you could, you could open your mouth, you could introduce yourself to someone and all of a sudden, boom, you could have the best relationship with that person for the rest of your life. Right. You, 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 you never know. You never know. Right. Well, think about the book too, how to win friends and influence people. So how do you influence somebody? How do you influence into a way of thinking? And like the book is really good. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good conversation, guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a great conversation. All right. Hey, before you guys leave, I have to, you guys have to do this. This is for some of our listeners. Um, this is for just a couple of my buddies, actually, but people will probably yeah. think it's funny. Yeah, man. You got to give me a little auctioneer action. All right, right here. We got 25, now 30, 25, not a better than 25, but I get 30 to five, five, not 35, 40 here, 40 better than 40 to five, 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 40 dollar down here, and 45, but I got 15 to 45, 50, 45 dollar here. Here we go, 45, not a better than 45, but I got 50 going twice here. Where you at? Sold them 50 dollars, but I'm a fire number 82155, 82155. That is so money. Gosh, I love that. I freaking miss that stuff. Oh, I love it, guys. Is That's your guys' podcast anywhere podcasts are found? Or where? It's everywhere. Yes. Yeah, it's everywhere. YouTube as well. Uh, we tweet out the clips. We'll tweet uh, yours out tomorrow morning. Oh, and, awesome. uh, guys, some- anywhere podcasts are found, at Men on Melrose on Instagram, these guys are the real deal. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hey, hey it was a blast. Do it all. Yeah. Hey, you guys stay on. We'll end the recording. But uh, if you guys have time, it'd be fun to talk after here. But um, Levi Landon, thanks for coming on. Uh, We are doing we have to do the crawfish boil next year. Yeah, we'll get one. We'll get one. Something lined up. Yeah, we'll get we'll get the finances in line. And uh, yeah, that would be a blast, man. That's a bucket list item in my life now. I promise you guys, you'd love Kelowna. Like you want to talk about small it's a no, I, I promise you next time I next time I come to Iowa, I'll I'll stop by Kelowna. 100 percent Hey, we've got plenty of rooms. I'm telling you guys, if this is an open door policy, if you knock on my door, I won't let you in. Just walk in. <laughs> I'll I'll make sure to I'll, I'm sure I'll come down uh I'll probably visit Shot or something like that. And then uh we'll shoot over and have a couple oh it'd be Bring a case of bush with us. Well, you guys, you guys are the ones who got me in pseudo sue. I forgot about that. <laughs> Come on. Let's do it. All right. A pleasure, gents. Uh, we'll have to have you guys on again soon. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming. You betcha. Thanks. Go off.